This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 105 of the Catholic Foodie, Food Blogging 101. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about food blogging. Goodness gracious, I mean, what could that be about? <laughs> Maybe uh, blogging about food? I don't know. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because, yeah, that's true, but there's so many different angles, so many different ways that people can incorporate food into their blogs, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to ask that question, you know, like, why blog about food in the first place? What's that all about? We're going to talk about some famous food blogs, some Catholic food blogs, and even explore what you might need to do if you wanted to start a food blog here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right, where food meets faith. And, uh, you know, food blog, we have a special treat, folks, a special treat today. I didn't mention this yet in this episode, in the, in the intro, but a special treat, and that is we have Sarah Reinhardt. Not only is Sarah Reinhardt going to be here with her Mary in the Kitchen segment, in, in which, by the way, she will speak about Play-Doh and prayer. And I don't know about you, but I love those two things, Play-Doh and prayer. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's great. What's better than to to pray and play? That's got to be good. So I'm excited to hear what she has to say about that. But in addition to that, we are going to have Sarah Reinhardt live on the show today to talk about blogging in general. Kind of, you know, like why does she blog? Because she is a big blogger. And uh, why does she read blogs? So we're going to talk to her a little bit later in the show. I'm very excited about that. So uh, let's see, what else do we have going on today? We are going to be talking about food blogging. You know, it's this is really kind of cool, because last week we talked about Father Leo Padalinghug. Father Leo, Grace Before Meals at gracebeforemeals.com. You know, he's got uh, YouTube videos. He's got a TV show he's working on. He's got uh, a cookbook, a very successful cookbook, Grace Before Meals. Wonderful movement. Really, the whole purpose of which is to build up families and family life, build up relationships, which is really it's the heart and soul of what the Catholic Foodie is all about. So I'm very excited about that. The fact that we have Father Leo out there on the front lines doing this kind of thing is fantastic. Uh, he also, Father Leo is also a food blogger. Not only does he have a blog over at gracebeforemeals.com, but last year, I know, he was at the International Food Blogging Conference, or food, I think it's the International Food Bloggers Conference, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. This year, 2011, that International Food Bloggers Conference is going to be hosted here in New Orleans. Very, I'm very excited about that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to give you some dates and some other information in case you want to attend. That would be so rocking awesome. It's incredible. I have, we'll have to talk about that in a bit. So, but first, but first, we have to start by thanking our sponsor, divineoffice.org. Divineoffice.org. You know I love the liturgy of the hours. I promote the liturgy of the hours to anybody who wants to grow in prayer. I have mentioned that on the show here time and time again. DivineOffice.org is where you want to go. Uh, you can learn about the Liturgy of the Hours. You can uh, get some of the background. You can, If you have 
an actual book, The Liturgy of the Hours. It could help you to follow along. It could help you to learn how to use the ribbons because all those uh, hardbound books, you know, divine office books, Liturgy of the Hours, they all have ribbons in them, and you got to know where those ribbons go if you're going to pray. Uh, but you could also use their website where they have morning, evening uh, prayer, night prayer. You've got Office of Readings. You have all that right there on the website. You can follow along and listen to the audio. You can also download the podcast over at iTunes, Divine Office, right, the Divine Office podcast. They have a, uh, a new app for Mac, for the Mac, if you're on a Mac. You can uh, get an, uh, an app. They have that new uh, app store for Mac. You can get the app through them. Uh, also, they have an iPhone, iPad app. Fantastic. I love the work of the folks over at divineoffice.org. And I want to tell you that this week, coming up, this week today, I am broadcasting this. Today is the 30th of January, 2011. This week coming up, they're going to have a conference in uh, Utah. It's the Southwest Liturgical Conference. And let me pull up some information about that because divineoffice.org is going to be streaming the liturgies from the conference live. They're going to be streaming those liturgies every day. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. But let me pull up this site right here. That conference, the Southwest uh, Liturgical Conference, is going to be uh, from February 2nd to the 5th, 2011. It's this coming week. Salt Lake City, Utah. This is the Diocese of Salt Lake City that is hosting this. Ever ancient, ever new, preparing for the revised Roman Missal. And of course, the Roman Missal, the revised Roman Missal, is coming out in Advent 2011. So we'll have changes in the translations, in the English, uh, in the liturgy, for, uh, for in, in the English language. So we're going to have some, uh, some changes in our responses during Mass and also in what uh, the prayers that the priest will pray, etc. So uh, this is a conference uh, this week in the uh, Diocese of Salt Lake City. You can catch streaming video of the liturgies, courtesy of DivineOffice.org, just go visit our friends over there at divineoffice.org for more information. And uh, if you, if I could help you also in any way and point you in the right direction, just send me an email, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. But once again, we want to say thank you to divineoffice.org for sponsoring the Catholic Foodie. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, you know, the uh, this past week I had a few exciting things happen. Uh, on Friday... Just a couple of days ago, I was a guest on uh, on a podcast that is still uh, in production. It's not released yet. It's not official yet. It hasn't launched yet. But uh, I get to tell you a little bit about it anyway. And this is an, a new SQPN podcast called The Secrets of Disney. And uh, that won't be too far in coming. It's going to be it's, – it's, it's on its way. It is coming 
uh, as we speak. Uh, I know that there are a few episodes into it already, and it hasn't been released yet. It hasn't been launched yet, but it's coming, and it's great. I have to tell you, it is great. Uh, and I was honored to be part of uh, the uh, the episode on this past week, this this Friday, where we talked about uh, the Princess and the Frog. They're talking about different movies, you know, Disney movies, and of course, there's lots of great things that could be said about Disney movies. Uh, lots of good messages that we could talk about, and we talked about the Princess and the Frog. Why they have me? Why the Catholic foodie? Well, this is why they had me. It has something to do with, um, well, maybe the fact that I'm from New Orleans, (laughs) or at least the New Orleans area, right? Uh, They wanted to have someone who was close, who kind of knew the city, knew the culture, knew the people, and who could uh, comment on some of the cultural aspects of that movie, The Princess and the Frog. And uh, I got to tell you, I love the movie. I did. Uh, you know, I, I grew up where we had so many movies made when I was a teenager and actually as a kid, too, that were set in New Orleans or in South Louisiana. And it was like a, a, a kind of a standing, I don't want to say a standing joke, but just uh, a common theme or a common thought that uh, they never got it right. They never got it right. Whether it was like, you know, the accents were just all wrong, they just couldn't get it right, or... They messed up the the mute. They they went overboard trying to 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 portray Louisiana, and they just screwed it all up, you know. Well, I can honestly say, after watching The Princess and the Frog, that they got it right. They got it right. Of course, you got Randy Newman with the music, fantastic job on the music. You had so many different actors uh, who made up this uh, the, the the cast, and they did a fantastic, just an incredible job. The accents were right on, man. I mean, Ray, if you saw the movie, Ray the Lightning Bug, you know, Ray, <laughs> man, Ray's a good Cajun. I tell you what, he's a good Cajun. He could be a relative, you know what I'm saying? The way he talks, he could be a relative of mine. I'm telling you, it's, it's fantastic. So, uh, great job. I was so impressed with, of course, they had Dr. John with this song I'm playing right now, Down in New Orleans. Uh, fantastic uh, soundtrack. Loved it. And we just had a ball. I mean, I, I, I talked with Deborah Shaben, Deborah Shaben, a uh, good friend, Deborah Shaben, also uh, Father Roderick, Father Roderick Von Hogan of SQPN fame, sqpn.com, and uh, with their uh, their new podcast. It's not released yet. It's coming, Secrets of Disney. And we just had a really an awesome, awesome time. A lot of fun. And, you know, part of that movie the Princess and the Frog, had to do with voodoo. That's right, had to do with voodoo. And so I was at the store today, and we had to pick up some necessary supplies in order to cook tonight. And when I was at the store looking around, I came across there's a beer that's actually produced here in Louisiana. It's called Dixie Beer, produced in New Orleans. And they have one of their labels. There's only two labels, believe it or not. But one of them, excuse me, one of them is called Blackened Voodoo. And when I saw that and I saw the label and it's kind of got the bayou in there and some somebody out in a P-Row, you know, a couple of folks out in a P-Row and you got some evil eyes kind of in the in the trees with the moss hanging down and the bayou, you know, I thought to myself, man, this is perfect. I got to have one of these when I do the show. <laughs> so I am sipping right now on a Blackened Voodoo. This is a uh, lager. It's a lager beer. Matter of fact, I... 
I looked it up earlier on Beer Advocate so I could tell you a thing or two about this uh, Dixie Blackened Voodoo Beer. Matter of fact, I was really impressed because Beer Advocate rated it as a B minus, which I, I, I won't, you know, I've never had it. I've never had it. I'm from here and I've never had this beer. And Dixie Beer, I've always thought of Dixie Beer as kind of like a cheap, just a cheap beer. <laughs> you know, that's always been my impression. Never tried the regular beer, uh, Dixie Beer, and uh, and never had the Black and Voodoo, but I always wanted to try it. Anyway, the style of beer, it's a Munich Dunkel Lager. Uh, 5% alcohol by volume. Uh, really cool label, by the way. And uh, it, it's got really good reviews here on Beer Advocate. With 310 reviews, it has an overall rating of a B-. That's fantastic. It really is amazing. Uh, but this is basically, it says on the bottle, I'm reading here from the bottle, it says it's inspired by old world brewing methods, uh, the brewing, <clears throat> the bewitching all malt brew. Is that what it says? Yeah. All malt, all malt brew is a darkly rich exotic lager crafted with a touch of magical New Orleans spirit. The it's hard to read these labels, by the way, in the light that I've have, and I've got a big microphone in front of my face. It's not that I can't read; it's just very difficult to see when you're looking over a microphone. Uh, the century-old Dixie Brewery was almost destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, but restoration is underway with the help of our friends. We're working hard to re-beer. <laughs> We're working hard to re-beer New Orleans and the rest of the country. Isn't that great? <clears throat> great, great, great. And it's pretty good. I have to say I, I'm enjoying this. This is a, a pretty good beer. Uh, Dixie Blackened Voodoo Lager. Don't know if they have it in your neck of the woods, but we got it right here in my own backyard. Pretty good stuff. If you have a chance to try it out, I would say uh, go for it. Dixie Blackened Voodoo Lager. Smells good. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Pocket, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very. It's good. Uh, it's very good. Well, how about we talk about some food in the news? That's right. Food is news, folks. There are sites dedicated to nothing but covering food in the news. Slashfood.com is one such site. And recently, I came across a few stories that I'd like to share with you. First of all, there's a new map in town. <laughs> it's a food map, and it was created by the USDA, believe it or not. What's so cool about this map is that it's interactive, and you can find it online at ers.usda.gov slash foodatlas. The Food Atlas was just released last week, and it's detail, or it details on a local level food trends. Who has better local food, more farmer's markets, Better availability to grocery stores. What are people eating most per capita in each county? How much food assistance are we getting? And how 
uh, and who goes out to restaurants more. You can find all this info and more on this new food atlas. Slashfood.com's article by Jesse Cacciola gives some examples. You know, in Oakland County, Michigan, uh, they had 983 fast food restaurants in 2009. And in 2010, they had 1,042. So you had a little bit of growth there, you know, a little bit of growth there in Michigan. Minnesota, uh, in Hennepin County, they had 15 farmers markets in 2009. And by 2010, they had 39, more than doubled. Goodness gracious, that's incredible. And interestingly enough, and unfortunately too, I think, in San Diego, California, they lost 7% of their farmer's markets in the same time period between 2009 and 2010. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> but there really is a wealth of information available, and it's all easily searchable. If you have an itch to do food research, this new food atlas may be the perfect way for you to scratch that itch. Read more about it at slashfood.com or... Go directly to the atlas at ers.usda.gov slash foodatlas. Also in the news, did you hear about it? Did you hear about it? Taco Bell's beef taco meat? Did you hear about this? It's only 35% meat, folks. Oh my goodness, is that not scary? I, I find it frightening. But... According to a class action lawsuit filed last week in California, the meat mixture that Taco Bell uses in its products contains less than 35% meat. <laughs> Therefore, the claimants say that uh, advertising the food as beef is misleading. So what is the meat mixture if it's not beef? Well, according to the claimants, it's mostly binders and extenders such as water, wheat, oats, soy, lecithin, maltodextrin, anti-dusting agents, and modified cornstarch. Oh, my goodness. You know, I could say a lot about this mainly because I have a thing with fast food. You know, I just I don't like it. I think it's from the devil. Okay, that's that's the bottom line for me. Fast food is from the pit of hell. Uh, but that's probably a topic for another time. Uh, so I'm going to refrain from uh, talking about that. I'm just going to say this one thing. We don't eat fast food. And after reading this, we sure ain't going to start now. <laughs> oh my goodness. 35% meat. Crazy. But there is a guy who does eat Taco Bell. And on a regular basis, too, it seems. I'm talking about Eric Trinidad. This guy is the guy behind FancyFastFood.com. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious about this. FancyFastFood.com. Eric creates fancy recipes using Big Macs, Chalupas, and pretty much any other kind of fast food he can get his hands on. He comes up with uh, new culinary creations. Uh, basically, he's doing extreme makeovers using only ingredients from fast food that he buys at local restaurants. The only thing he allows himself to use in addition to that is a simple garnish. 
to add color to the presentation. And, uh, you know, this is supposed to be fun and funny. <laughs> the tagline on his site says it all, I think. It says, yeah, it's still bad for you, but see how good it can look. <laughs> so Eric recently posted a video of his recipe for what he calls taco liatelli, taco liatelli, which he makes out of items from Taco Bell. Let's take a listen to this. Hi, I'm Eric Trinidad of Fancy Fast Food. Today what we're gonna do is we're gonna take these amazing Taco Bell ingredients, beefy crunchy burrito with the two tacos that they always add to make it a combo, and like handfuls of salsa verde. And we're gonna take that and make it look like this. Um, and of course, we're gonna serve the beverage in a wine glass so it makes it fancy. This is Alex Jameson. She, uh, you might have seen her on uh, in the movie Super Size Me, which gives her a uh, fast food street cred That's in my right. book. Yeah. I've seen that movie like 10 times. My rules are I'm not allowed to use anything outside of the fast food restaurant except for a piece of garnish. First, I'm going to unwrap the burrito. Let's count the Fritos because that determines how much extra sodium is in this meal. You um, all of these are pretty good. No. I just taste them up. Thank you. I don't. They actually have MSG in them. Um, it's That's like, like my favorite thing. That smell is scientifically <laughs> engineered. This has just under 160 milligrams Which of sodium. Is? That's just in these okay. chips. Rinse tortilla. I love that you can just cleanse it and it sort of looks clean. I'm drying the circular burrito. You know, that iceberg lettuce might be the most nutritious thing in this entire meal. Any frying? Really? There's some frying in vegan food, so you're telling me oh, that vegan that's food not, is not healthy? That's not healthy either. But there's about 30 other ingredients in there, one of which is called TBHQ. Hmm. I see you're not afraid of touching this. It doesn't smell like TBHQ. And the rest of the ingredients, salsa verde, lettuce and cheese, fiery Fritos. <laughs> the MSG cubes. Noodle by noodle, or as, as little as possible. Oh, so now you're getting all precious. You're joking about the red food coloring, but I think that's what's making this dish pop, I It think. really does something. Sierra Mist is almost entirely clear. I've added Mountain Dew, which is too green, so then I've added a little red from Fruit Punch, and so I have this like golden white wine sort of thing that's going on. amazing. Sparkling wine. A taco telly with uh, pesto de frito. Would you like some? I, I, no, thank you. I'm gonna slip it up. The basil's great. How is it? That's definitely edible. A resounding review. <laughs> you want to wash it down with some calcium, disodium, EDTA, and yellow five? I love the yellow five. Uh -huh. We should measure your brain activity. So this has been the latest creation from Fancy Fast Food. Check us out next month when I create something else that is fancy that hopefully won't kill me. Is that crazy or what? <laughs> I mean, this guy is so funny. First of all, this was a video, by the way. You can see the video over at fa uh, FancyFastFood.com. Of course, I will put a link in the show notes over at CatholicFoodie.com. But he, he does this, and you, you know, he had Alex, oh, what's her last name? Um, Alex Jameson was on this particular video with him, and uh, she was in the, 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 the movie um, uh, Supersize Me. Yeah, supersized me. It was Morgan Spurlock who uh, did that movie. It was his girlfriend who then became his wife. So she was the one here in this video with uh, with Eric. 
And I mean, Eric, I mean, he's appeared on like Rachel Ray and a bunch of other um, uh, Nightline, you know, tons of different places he's actually been on, which is, I just find this so funny. Now, he's kind of making fun here of foodies and the whole foodie kind of mentality, I think. That's part of what his website's all about. It's, you know, he started this, I believe, he and his brother, when they were, uh, I don't know if they were high school, but they were young, you know, they were young. And they used to do is when Iron Golly, this is a long time ago. It's like early '90s when the Iron Chef, like from Japan, used to air in the U.S. And they wanted to uh, create just really presentations, not cook, but just present food. And so when they would go out to eat, let's say at a at a Chinese buffet, for instance, they would compete against each other to create the most presentable, the most beautiful. Uh, plate, and the family would vote to see who wins, and that's kind of where they got the start there of this this kind of I guess eye for food presentation, which is really cool. I mean, I think that's really awesome. So uh, this is a really uh, it's a very interesting uh, website here, fancyfastfood.com. It's totally for fun. Uh, this food will kill you. Okay, <laughs> this is bad stuff. This is fast food. But as it says in the tagline, but see how good it can look. <laughs> Fancyfastfood.com. But what's really interesting is that this, my friends, is just one example of a food blog. And food blogging is what we're talking about this episode. So in this case, you know, you got a food blog that's kind of poking fun at foodies and food blogging. That, uh, you know, where sometimes foodies and food bloggers can maybe take themselves a little bit too seriously. And Eric Trinidad is in the business, I guess, of uh, helping them to get over that. So, <laughs> And that's the beautiful thing about blogging, don't you think? I mean, you can do what you want. Uh, you want to start a blog about gnomes? Do you know any uh, gnome secrets? Have you discovered that gnomes have a plot to to take over the world? They want world domination? And you want to let us in on it so that we can defend ourselves? Well, hey, you know, why not start a blog? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, you know, when it comes to food blogs, it's better than Baskin and Robbins. There's more than 31 flavors. Uh, there are food-related blogs out there to suit every taste. And the cool thing about it is that many food blogs aren't really about food, at least not completely. I mean, just look at, at the Catholic Foodie. I mean, CatholicFoodie.com is about food and faith. So I've got the blog, I've got the podcast, and all of that. Food, of course, is a uh, an integral part of what I am doing, but it's not the whole story. It, my site is not a recipe site. Uh, it's not simply a restaurant review site. Uh, nothing like that. It it it's about food and faith. You know, there are out there what you would call professional blogs. And uh, those blogs are really kind of strictly about food. And I'm thinking here about certain blogs like uh, Mark Bittman, for instance. You know, Mark Bittman is a journalist. Uh, he writes for the New York Times, among other things. And uh, here's how he opens his About page at markbittman.com. He says, I'm not a chef, and I never have been. And though I've cooked with some of the best-known chefs in the world, I've never had formal training, and I've never worked in a restaurant, none of which has gotten in the way of my mission 
to get people cooking simply, comfortably, and well. Fantastic blog. Matter of fact, you know, uh, in addition to the blog, he also produces a video series that he calls The Minimalist, which I believe you can find on iTunes. And of course, over at his website, markbitman.com. So good stuff. You may you may want to check it out. Uh, and by the way, markbitman.com. Bitman has two T's. There's another, uh, I would call, I guess, a professional blog. These are folks who are professional people in the food industry. They may be professional food writers, uh, as in the case of Mark Bittman. They could be professional chefs, whatever, but they, 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 they now have a blog. So that's like your professional level, I guess, kind of food blogging thing. Michael Ruhlman is another one, and you're going to find him over at Ruhlman.com. He's a chef, an author, and a blogger. He actually went through culinary school, the Culinary Institute of America. And uh, Michael, though, I mean, he's, a, he's been trained as a chef. He is really, he determined, he found out, he kind of, you know, with some soul searching or whatever, uh, after going through the whole uh, 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 Culinary Institute and all of that, is that his real gifts, his real gift is writing. And so he's able to bring uh, that gift to the service of the food industry. And he does this by all these books. He's, he's, he's written many books, uh, some cookbooks. He's worked with other folks. He's collaborated with them to write books. Um, but he's he's famous for several things. He wrote uh, The Making of a Chef, which is a book that gives us a behind-the-scenes view of a chef in training at the Culinary Institute of America. He wrote another book, uh, Soul of a Chef. He wrote uh, The Reach of a Chef, The Elements of Cooking, and then Ratio, R-A-T-I-O, Ratio, among others. But Ratio, you know, I've heard, as a foodie, I've heard that that book, Ratio, is number one, the number one resource that you should have if you want to learn how to cook at home. If you want to be a good home cook, what I've heard, I haven't read it, so I'm just saying this is hearsay now. It's hearsay, but from what I've heard, Ratio is the number one book that you should have if you want to be a good home cook. I plan on getting that book. I think that would be great because I need help. I <laughs> I totally screwed up something the other day. Uh, yesterday, I was uh, trying to, um, uh, to cook some sirloin steaks. And normally, you know, I, I admit it, I admit it, I'm terrible at cooking meat, typically, especially on the grill. I burn everything, okay? But that's not what happened this time. I cooked it in the oven on the, you know, under the broiler. That's what I was doing. That was my plan. I had these beautiful grass-fed, uh, organically fed, I guess you'd say, uh, no chemicals added uh, steaks. We get this meat from a friend of ours who's a farmer. And he uh, raises cattle. It's really, really pretty cool. And uh, anyway, what happened was, you may have heard me on a previous episode talk about a new Cajun seasoning mix that uh, we discovered. It's called Slap Your Mama. And, uh, you know, down here at least, we have this expression. If, if, a, if a dish is really, really good, we might say something like, you know, man, that's so good to make you slap your mama. <laughs> or we could say, Man, that is like slap your mama good. That is some good stuff, you know? 
And uh, anyway, they have a seasoning mix called Slap Your Mama. Well, we got into that about, uh, I guess, a month ago, maybe, or so, somewhere around there. And uh, the thing about Slap Your Mama, because we got, you know, Conrico, Tony Sacheries, all this, all these different Cajun seasonings that you can get out there. Conrico, by the way, is my favorite uh, seasoning like this. Uh, I find Tony Sacheries too salty. Uh, Conrico is not as salty. It, it, it's light on the salt, which I think is really, really good. Matter of fact, when I was buying Tony Sacheries, I would get the, uh, the, the less salt version, which was, I think they called it like uh, more heat or something. I can't remember the, the exact title, but it, it had less salt in it and it was actually hotter, had more cayenne. I like that a lot. The um, Conrico, I just bought the regular Conrico and it was great because it was less salt then we came across this thing called Slappy Mama. My mom is the one who actually introduced me to Slappy Mama. Isn't that ironic? Hmm. I maybe need to ask her about that. But anyway, um, what I have discovered is Slappy Mama is more salty than Conrico, less salty than Tony Sachery's. So uh, in, a, in a state of absolute confusion and probably temporary insanity, I used... Slap your mama to season these steaks uh, yesterday. And I let them sit. You know, I, I, I kind of coated them with olive oil. I put the, uh, the, 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 the slap your mama seasoning on both sides and just let them sit in a pan uh, before I stuck them in the oven. They sat for probably, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, something like that. And uh, what ended up happening is uh, they came out beautifully cooked. They were really good in that respect but way, way too salty. And uh, I hate to admit the fact that I ruined a dish, but I did. We Thank God we had something else to eat last night. It wasn't, uh, we weren't dependent on this steak. But here's the thing. That sirloin is going to make a beautiful soup. And I'm going to cook that soup tomorrow. Today I'm doing white beans with andouille sausage and uh, we're going to serve that over rice. So kind of like red beans and rice, but it's white beans and rice. Good stuff. Smothered andouille sausage. Wonderful. But tomorrow I will do something with this sirloin steak that is oversalted to be eaten by itself. It's oversalted, but it will be perfect in a soup. So uh, that's my uh, culinary catastrophe of the week, I guess you could say. Uh, but hey, there's redemption, right? We're Catholic here. There is redemption, even for oversalted sirloin steaks. So, uh, you know, Michael Ruhlman, going back to his blog, you know, you got to find some serious writing on Michael's blog. He knows what he's talking about. I mean, he he has been there. He's professionally trained. I mean, he knows his stuff, but he's also very down to earth. And here's a, a clip. I want to play this clip. This is a recent post uh, on his blog at ruleman.com. I'm going to pull this up here, a recent post of his, which I was just blown away by. This is actually Michael Ruleman himself speaking. Check this out. Passion. An overused word. Pat, what does it mean? Oh, the passion. Oh, give me a give me a cook with passion, and and, and I can make him a cook. Um, I want to see somebody with passion. What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. 
Um, passion is an overused word. What does passion really mean? What are we really talking about? What do we, what do we want? What, what I would like to see in anybody, in any fellow creature, is awareness. Awareness of everything that is around. That is what we should use instead of passion. That is the word we should use, awareness. And we should pay attention to it. I've spent a lot of time in kitchens. And there are some people who don't seem to know where you are. You walk by them, and just as you walk by, they take their cutting board and go like this. There are other cooks who are lifting their cutting board, but they've seen you out of the corner of their eye, and so they wait for you to pass. They expect that you are as aware of, that, of them, and you won't break your stride so that they can keep moving. Um, that's awareness in the kitchen. That's what results in the dance, what they call the dance in the kitchen, when everybody is moving seamlessly. Everybody has an awareness of everything around them, everything that is going on, they're hearing everybody's orders, they're cooking their own food, they are moving gracefully, efficiently, uh, and elegantly in the chaos of service. It's a beautiful thing to watch, and it happens because people are aware. Be aware of what's around you. There are some people who are driving, and they're just driving. There are other people who are driving. And maybe they're singing too, but they're aware of the car that's, that was back there, but is now in their blind spot. Um, awareness. We need to be more aware. We need to pay attention. To what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Stop. Cut it off. I'm Michael Ruhlman, and I had something to say. That's pretty cool. I have to say, it's pretty cool. And I know what he's talking about. That's great. That's great. I mean, awareness. And uh, that was a recent blog post of his. He did that as part of a, a project that he was invited to participate in. But he posted that as a blog post on the 14th of January over at Ruleman.com. And, of course, you can go check that out as well. Uh, you, know, you know, there's also, in addition to these professional blogs, food blogs, and of course, my whole point here, and you're going to hear this a little bit later too, my whole point here is that food blogs or food blogging is much more than just a recipe site. It's much more than just talking about food all the time. Um, like I said, you know, Catholic Foodie is where food meets faith. Uh, there's many different uh, intersections, and a lot, a lot of folks who have food blogs or who blog and talk about food too and what they do is they just kind of pay attention to where they have awareness, right? They pay attention to where food intersects with other parts of life. And I think that's really awesome. And it, 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 it's a, uh, a common ground in a way. It's common, a common ground area where we can meet and talk about life and talk about different things. And I love that fact. Now, um, there's one very famous food blog that I want to talk to you about just briefly and recommend to you. And this is going back to, you remember that movie? It was about a year ago, the movie that came out. Char and I talked about this. We reviewed it here on the show. It was Julie and Julia. Do you remember that movie? Julie and Julia. And of course, we're talking about Julia Child. Julie Powell started a blog way back when, when blogging was sort of new. She started a blog that was about uh, her desire to learn how to cook. And the way she did that because she felt like she wasn't really a good cook. 
the way she did that was she took Julia Child's like uh, uh, life work, right? her her French cooking, the, the the book that was about her French cooking, her French cookbook, and she cooked her way through that book and blogged about the whole thing. Now this is amazing because um, it, it it well, I mean, of course, you know, it it, it turned into like this huge. A book deal, and she wrote this book, and then of course they made a movie out of it, and it really kind of launched her and her career. I mean, she was just working some job for some company behind a desk in a cubicle, and next thing you know, because she's got this blog thing going on, she becomes some uh, really a celebrity, a celebrity, you know, and it changed her life. But this blog, the original blog, you can still find it, and let me pull up the. URL here for this Julia. It was called the Julie and Julia Project. And you're going to find that the original blog is going to be at blogs.salon, S-A-L-O-N, blogs.salon.com slash 0001399. What a terrible URL address. <laughs> It's it's awful, but you know, this goes back to a long time ago. <laughs> this goes back to really sort of the beginning of blogging, where SEO wasn't talked about as much. Okay, you could probably just Google Julie and Julia or the Julie and Julia Project or Julie and Julia Original Blog, something like that, and you'll come up with a link for it. Uh, but the first post that shows up was Friday, August 13th, which is Christopher's birthday, by the way, my son. His birthday is August 13th. He was born on a Friday the 13th. Scary. Uh, but this was back in 2004. That was her first post. So um, amazing, amazing what has happened. Now, I will warn you, there is, you know, if you're sensitive to this kind of thing, there is language. She does not hold back and... uh uh, the words that she uses here on this blog. It was meant to be, for her, a uh, a personal uh, blog, you know, and she's that's just the way, uh, the way it is. So um, anyway, I would recommend this blog, though. It's got some great stuff in here. It's real life. That's the thing. It's you're meeting someone where they are. It's the real deal, and I think that that's why I like it so much. Uh, it's nothing to look at. I mean, if you look at it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's really poor. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not as nice as the Catholic foodie. It's not as nice as Michael Rollman's, you know, Rollman.com. It's not as nice as MarkBitman.com. It's not as nice as all those. This is just a lot of text, no pictures. And it's just, you know, but the content, I mean, her story of going through this cookbook with Julia Child is just amazing. It's amazing. Of course, you can go and just buy the book. You can go to, you know, Amazon or wherever and buy the book if you want to. That's that's cool. See the movie? The movie, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Char and I both did. That's Julie and Julia. So uh, you may want to check that out too. Blogs.salon.com slash 0001399. Now, as I mentioned, you know, there are thousands of different types of blogs. You got the professional blogs, amateur blogs, serious, 
fun, funny, recipe-only kind of blogs, and then some blogs that just mention food whenever it happens to intersect with other parts of life. All this really would kind of fall under this umbrella of food blogging. And here are a few blogs that I like that concern themselves to some degree with the intersection of food and faith. The first is uh, a website called Catholic Cuisine, and this is over at catholiccuisine.blogspot.com. I highly recommend you check this out. There's lots of awesome information here. I mean, we're talking about uh, not just recipes. There's tons of recipes, though, at Catholic Cuisine. Uh, matter of fact, the tagline of the website is Recipes for Celebrating the Feasts and Seasons of the Liturgical Year. So you, that kind of gives you, I guess, a sense of what it's all about. Uh, it's, it's under the patronage of St. Anne, the mother of Mary, and the patron of homemakers, which is really pretty awesome. Really pretty awesome. Uh, matter of fact, and I love this too, uh, the Grace Before Meals, they actually have the Grace Before Meals in English and in Latin, so you have the Bless Us, O Lord, and these like gifts, but you also have Benedict Domine Nos et Haec Tua Dona Que de Tua Largitate sumus subturi pre, uh, per Christum Dominum Nostrum. Amen. So I taught Latin for a while, so I can kind of read that. But it's really cool to see it, the grace before meals in Latin and English on the site. That's really awesome. So some of the most recent posts here at uh, Catholic Cuisine, you've got Irish potato pancakes, which I think is Really pretty cool. The great pictures, by the way. You're going to find some great pictures here on this particular site. Uh, you've got, uh, she actually just uh, started this off. She she did. She has a new theme, a new look to her website, which is really nice. You have a tea. This is another recent post, a tea in honor of Our Lady of Alta Gracia, or Grazia, Gracia. It depends on whether it's Italian or Spanish, but uh, very cool. Let me see another um, uh, recent post here. I'm scrolling down as I talk to you. Uh, got, this one, I like this. I like this. This is good. This is going back to January 6th. Of course, the Feast of the Epiphany. This is Galette de Royce. Or Roy, Royce. Uh, for Epiphany, it's king cake. King cake. But, of course, this tradition right here, the Galette de Royce, I believe, is the French version and that's why I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. I don't know French. I recognize it. I can look at it. I can read it, but I can't pronounce it to save my life. So uh, very cool. This is uh, CatholicCuisine.com. There's another one called uh, Bless Us, O Lord. Actually, I'm sorry. It's CatholicCuisine.blogspot.com. There's another one that uh, a friend of mine, Kathy, uh, Kathy LeBlanc, uh, who is local here. She's actually in the same parish, my parish. Uh, Kathy LeBlanc recommended uh, a website to me. It's called Bless Us, O Lord, which, of course, is the opening line of the uh, prayer before meals, the grace before meals. Uh, but this is, you're going to find this at blessusolord.blogspot.com. And uh, Barbara is the one, I don't have a last name here, but Barbara is the one who is uh, the producer of this particular blog. She's a wife of 25 years and a mother to four children, ages 8 to 21, and she spends her days 
cooking and cleaning for her beautiful children, and she's the teacher of two of them. So it sounds like she homeschools like us. It's pretty cool. And uh, so very good. You got lots of uh, uh, recipes here, of course. One of the most recent ones, uh, kitchen sink cookies. That's uh, that's kind of scary, <laughs> I think. Samoa bars. That reminds me of Girl Scout cookies. Samoa bars. Chili dog casserole. That, well, that scares me. <laughs> Chili dog casserole. Although, in this particular recipe, she does use Hebrew national beef hot dogs, which I do like. Those are good. But uh, that still scares me. Chili dog casserole. Ooh, mad, maybe Eric Trinidad over at Fancy Fast Food could do something with that. That's that's frightening. So um, that's blessusoloord.blogspot.com. Another, uh, another uh, website that I would recommend to you. And this one, by the way, is not specifically a food website. Matter of fact, it's it's really kind of home-based to a few different web outreaches of a friend of mine. I'm talking about Evan Duplantier. Evan is originally from New Orleans. I mean, with a name like Duplantier, what do you think? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's New Orleans. Uh, Evan is uh, spelled with two N's, so it's E-V-A-N-N, and her website is called thinkevan.com. Uh, again, Evan, E-V-A-N-N. ThinkEvan.com. She's got a couple of different things going on here. First of all, they homeschool, so she's got a website called Homeschool Goodies, Resources for Catholic Homeschoolers, uh, which is really, really cool. And my internet is uh, stalling here. Hold on. Okay, uh, so you, she's got, when you go to ThinkEvan.com, you've got a few different things happening here. First of all, Homeschool Goodies, which is awesome. Uh, the virtual St. Joseph altar. And I've already talked to Evan. We're going to have her on the show this year as we get closer to the feast of St. Joseph because she has been she has been promoting online a devotion to St. Joseph through a virtual St. Joseph altar for a long time. I mean, since like the 90s, okay, 96 or something like that. It's amazing. And I find that to be so just so incredible. Uh, but you know, being from New Orleans, she knows all about St. Joseph altars that we celebrate down here in New Orleans, of course, and all the different foods and the the the, the symbolism and all that 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 goes into it. So we're gonna have Evan on to talk to us about that, and she's agreed to do it. I'm very very happy about that. So in 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 the coming weeks, in the next uh, month or so, we're gonna have her on the show to talk about it. But in the meantime, thinkevan.com. She's got homeschool goodies which is a blog. She's got the virtual St. Joseph altar. Uh, she's also a graphic designer, and you can, you can uh, catch her link there to her professional site <clears throat> over at thinkevan.com. But what the, the thing is is that she's from New Orleans, right? So what, the, what does that mean? That means that she's got this food thing kind of going on. Of course, she's got the faith thing going on too, so you're going to find food on her blog. Matter of fact, she's got... Some miscellaneous stuff that's just for fun. And one of the links there on her site at thinkevan.com is about Mardi Gras. And this is links and resources to one of her favorite holidays and mine too. So uh, I would encourage you to go, uh, to go visit her, thinkevan.com. 
and check out those Mardi Gras links since we are now officially in the Mardi Gras season and I'm making king cakes, it seems like, several times a week. But really, it's just only a couple. And uh, it's just uh, it's a good time. Parades are coming up. We only we have a couple more weeks before the parades start rolling. So uh, we're, we're trying to get geared up over here. So go visit my friend Evan at thinkevan.com. Now, there's two other sites I want to tell you about that are Catholic. They, they deal with uh, uh, or have something to do at least with the intersection of food and faith, but they're not specifically food blogs. They just have, once again, they, they, they at least present to us content about food where food intersects with uh, other parts of life, particularly family life. I'm talking about two sites that have multiple contributors. One of them is called faithandfamilylive.com, faithandfamilylive.com. And this is uh, part of uh, Danielle Bean and her crew and the Faith and Family Live magazine, the Faith and Family, uh, Faith and Family magazine, Faith and Family Live uh, uh, um, podcast, and also the blog, that, uh, that website there, faithandfamilylive.com. Lots of great stuff. You got Rachel Balducci. You got all kind of wonderful people who are posting stuff there, where you've got food content, food and family, food and faith. Just it's good stuff. I really like it. The other website that's sort of in the same vein there is CatholicMom.com. My friend Lisa Hindi is uh, the 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 mastermind Catholic mom behind this uh, this site, CatholicMom.com, and uh, you've got the same thing happening. You've got Moms who are bloggers who are contributing content there over at catholicmom.com, and you have food that comes up, and, and it's always in relation to family. So food and family, great, great stuff. I would highly encourage you to check out faithandfamilylive.com and also catholicmom.com. And then lastly, I'm just going to say this for the sake of uh, repeating myself, which I do from time to time, but last episode we talked about Father Leo Padalinghug and Grace Before Meals, his, his whole ministry, right? This whole movement, Grace Before Meals, which in, incorporates the videos he does online. It incorporates uh, the, the cookbook that he wrote that was published by Doubleday. Uh, and it also incorporates at gracebeforemeals.com his blog. That's right, a blog. So uh, you can go to gracebeforemeals.com and get updated regularly on the goings-on in this priest, black belt, chef kind of guy, this this guy who is just so cool, whose name is Father Leo Padalinghug. Very, very awesome. So uh, that's gracebeforemeals.com. And then lastly, uh, before I get Sarah Reinhardt to come here on the show and talk with us, I want to say this. Hey, do you blog or do you want to start a blog, maybe even a food blog? Or are you thinking about you know, you might want to explore food more in your writing, whether it's for a blog or not. You know, here are a few resources that I would highly recommend to get you started and to kind of get you on uh, the way in the right direction. The first is, and I have to admit, these first two right here, I'm going to, it's kind of an affiliate plug here. The first one is ProBlogger, which you can find, uh, it's Darren Rouse. Darren Rouse, he wrote a book and an ebook. He also has a blog. Uh, he is known as the Pro Blogger. Uh, Pro Blogger, the book you can get it through Amazon ebook as well. It's for sale on his uh, website. You can also get it for your Kindle. 
Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes at catholicfoodie.com. If you do decide to get that, by the way, please do buy that book through or by clicking on my links. It doesn't cost you a penny more, but it does benefit the work I do over at the Catholic Foodie at catholicfoodie.com. So I would really appreciate that. Same goes for the next uh, resource I would recommend, and this is a book by Diane Jacob. But Diane Jacob has a blog, uh, but she is a professional food writer, has been writing forever, okay? And uh, she has a book. It's called Will Write for Food. I have an actual physical copy of this book, Will Write for Food. Highly recommend it. The the most recent um, edition of this book includes updated materials, and one of them is a chapter, an entire chapter, a long chapter on food blogs and food blogging. Great, great stuff. Really helpful. If you ever think that you might perhaps one day want to write about food, I would highly recommend picking up this book, Will Write for Food by Diane Jacob. Awesome stuff. Uh, lastly, uh, Foodista, foodista.com. This is F-O-O-D-I-S-T-A.com, foodista.com. is kind of like an online resource for bloggers. You've got lots of great food photography there. You've got lots of explanation to uh, cooking methods, also uh, more than just cooking methods, recipes, things like that, that food bloggers can link to. And what this does, it helps you to build traffic through the linking, right, through linking. So that's really, really neat, and I love the fact that you have great pictures that you can use for uh, for posts and things like that. Now, of course, it's going to it's going to promote Foodista, but in return, you're also listed on their website, so you get traffic from Foodista too. Even more exciting than that is the fact, and I'm going to have to Google this real quick now that I've, I'm talking about it, um, Foodista sponsors every year for the last few years have done this, an international food bloggers conference. And I'm going to pull this up. International food blogger bloggers conference. They do this. Uh, matter of fact, I had on the show, Emily Butler, a few episodes back and Emily met father Leo Petalinghug on a food uh, a food bloggers conference or at a food bloggers conference. She also met Morgan Spurlock and his wife. Uh, this was a year or two ago, I believe. So uh, lots of folks, lots of folks who are in food and technology and writing and, and the online world will be at these conferences. Now, the one for 2011, this year, 2011, is going to be August 26th through 28th in New Orleans. That's right, at the Hotel Monteleone, downtown New Orleans. I'm very excited about that. I, I've, I haven't registered yet. I need to register. I want to register. I'm, I really want to try to get a sponsor for this particular event uh, because it's not, it's not cheap, so that would be really great. Uh, but the, the International Food Blogger Conference 2011, August 26th to 28th, this year in New Orleans, talk about fun. Oh, my goodness. You can find out more about this by going to foodista.com slash IFBC 2011, and you can read up more about it and register there online. 
Uh, and if you are even remotely thinking about coming to this, let me know. I want to know. I want to know all the cool people who are going to be down here in New Orleans in August with me, uh, you know, digging on like food and food blogging and all that kind of cool stuff and getting to uh, get together and eat and maybe even cook. Who knows? It's going to be fun. So uh, that's August 26th, 28th this year, 2011 in New Orleans, the International Food Blogger Conference. I would certainly hope to see you there. Uh, please do let me know if you do plan on attending. I would love to, uh, to, to try to make some plans with you. You can always reach me, of course, by phone. We have a voice feedback line. That number is 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. Or you can email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And now I think it's time for us to invite Sarah Reinhardt on the show. Well, we are so privileged to have with us today Sarah Reinhardt twice. Twice we have Mary in the Kitchen, which is I'm very excited about, by the way. But we also have Sarah Reinhardt here live, not in the studio. She's in her own studio up there and, you know, up <laughs> north with the snow and the cold and the ice yeah. and the, all that kind of stuff. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> you, you, and my, my little baby is, he's probably going to be pretty quiet, but he might pipe in with his thoughts on, on blogging too. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. It's all in the family, you know. So, <laughs> you know, right. talking about blogs, it's kind of funny. Uh, you had a special event you went to today. Which mm -hmm. uh, had to do with a uh, a famous priest who is a chef too, and has a little ministry going on with food and faith also. And uh, you know, he has a blog. I think you could find it over at Grace Before Meals. What happened today? He made these. Um, oh, oh, you're drinking beer. See, nobody else can see this. He just took a big swig of some kind of beer that probably tastes great. You know, I was just thinking of making some coffee before he called. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That's that was the cool just, thing. That's, that's the cool thing. With, you, can, uh, you can do post-production on this. That, that's the cool um, thing about, uh, you know, having Skype calls yeah. where you can see yeah. each other. huh? <laughs> um, well, Father Leo made these, I think they were called Monte Cristo sandwiches. And oh. Oh, yeah. uh, I had to nurse my baby. I have a January birthday and he called up people who had January birthdays and I could have gone up and tasted it. And I had to nurse my baby, which was okay. Oh. It was great to just watch him and to watch people who've never been exposed to him before and see their reactions to him. Like, you know, it sort of started, I was sitting by actually a couple of my friends, teenage nephews, and you could see they were sort of like, whatever. But by the end, <laughs> I think they were a little bit warmed up to him. And how can you not be? The man is hilarious. And he's the kind of priest that just makes me proud to be a Catholic. You know, he makes me... I have a soft spot for priests anyway, but he just makes me want to just, I don't know. Hey, it was, it was a great event and it was great to see him again. And it was, um, I mean, he doesn't know me from anybody on the street, but yeah, it, it was great to see him. And it, it was funny because the girl who had called me and said that her, her parents perish, it's outside of our diocese, but it's just like an hour away from here. But, uh, the parish that was doing it was her parents' parish. And she goes, hey, weren't you saying you knew about this priest and this thing he does? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I so want to go. And so, yeah, we ended up going. And 
I mean, his whole thing has been through blogging and through viral type word of mouth marketing. That's so I mean, cool. you could call it Holy Spirit marketing if you wanted. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and and do you know, I just found out today, I did not know this. He has a degree in Mariology. Really? Did you know that, Jeff? I did yeah. not. I did not. That's great. When when the producer from uh, the TV series, when they first were filming Grace Before Meals, the producer called him and said uh, what, he wanted to talk about GBM. And Father Leo said, GBM? And he thought it meant glorious, blessed mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I thought, ooh, I think I've got a Mary in the Kitchen segment out of this experience. <laughs> That's great. That is fantastic. You know, yeah, I mean, he is so dynamic, and uh, it's hard not to like him. I mean, you, you kind of have to like him, because if you don't, he, he can beat you up. I mean, he's got like a black belt. Well, he's got to catch you first. I well, mean, that's, that's true. In the crowd of people, that's true. he might not be able to get you. <laughs> so that that but would be my advantage. He, pro- he, probably, back. he probably has like some kind of Jedi mind skill <laughs> thing going on. You know what I mean? I mean, he is he associated. <laughs> he is associated somehow or another with SQPN. And of course, you know, all the geeks over there and the Trekkies and the Star Wars fanatics. And I mean, he's got to have some kind of special skills. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Well, and the whole ordination thing, I mean. Oh, that's true. That's true. It probably has the Holy Spirit chasing people <laughs> down. So, well, that is awesome. And, you know, it's, it's really cool because uh, Grace Before Meals, fantastic ministry. I talked about him last episode, episode 104 of the Catholic Foodie. Uh, and his cookbook, talked about his cookbook too. Fantastic. And, you know, he has a blog. And blogging is what we're talking about this episode right here, 105 of the Catholic Foodie. Uh, food blogs in particular, and of course, uh, Grace Before Meals would qualify as a food blog. But you know, Sarah, you are a blogger, a big time Catholic blogger, and uh, you've been involved <laughs> with. Blo- I don't know about big time, but uh, thank you. <laughs> you. Well, you are, you are, and you, uh, you, you are involved with blogging. You know about blogging, and I wanted to ask you. I'm very happy that you could uh, meet with me and, and come on the show here live. Uh, for a few minutes, to just I want to ask you a couple of questions about. First of all, what is it about blogging? Why, why do you read blogs and why do you write a blog? I'd love to hear your thoughts on on those questions. I, I'd like to preface my answers by saying I did not in any way have any warning what questions he was going to ask. <laughs> I'd like to just preface that way because as a blogger and writer. I usually have lots of time to prepare answers and think of just how I'm going to word things. So uh, you're hearing me go off the cuff. Well, see, that's so a good thing about ahead of time. That's a good thing. That's, that's why I mean, I know you, you know, I know you so I can call you the last second. Yeah, you can text me at the last second and go, hey, hey um, come on the show. Why? I, I Well, so you asked two questions, why I read blogs and why I why I write a blog and I can answer they sort of answer each other. I started writing a blog because I started reading blogs. And my reaction after reading some of my favorite blogs was, hey, I can do this. And I had felt a a pull to write more anyway, but I was having trouble with the normal writing exercises because I wanted interaction. Um, So for me, blogging provides sort of an interaction that you don't get when you write in a pen and paper journal. now I would say why I continue is probably the interaction. Um, I don't know that I have a thriving community at my place, but I would call the Catholic blogosphere a community and it sort of feeds into 
things feed into each other. People link back to each other. And I think now that blogging's not so new, I was just thinking the other day how we're seeing all these memes go around on Facebook that we used to see go around on the blogs. You know, people used to post the your 15 favorite books meme. And now you're seeing that on Facebook under a different name. Like I think it was 15 fictional characters meme. I just saw on Facebook the other day and I just sort of laughed and went, we were doing that in the blogosphere not too long ago. <laughs> Lists of things like that and interacting. Um, I guess the short answer is I probably, I like to read and this is sort of the new face of reading. If you're, if you're reading newspapers and stuff, um, I, I think blogging is sort of, I don't like to read the newspaper, but I get quite a bit of news content from different blogs and find myself reading news material that I'm interested in and that is probably more relevant to me than the front page of my local paper. Although that's maybe a different conversation. Yeah. So hopefully I've answered your question. Sort no, of I think a so. I think so. And I mean, I know for myself, a lot of it has to do with the, um, well, it's real. It's, it's kind of raw in a sense it's it's real life yeah. whereas you know when you read um a, a slick magazine if i pick up for from a food perspective if i pick up uh, bon appetit magazine or um you know any of these other you know wine and travel and all these different magazines uh the writing i find there is very different than what i'll find on a blog you know yeah. what i find on a blog tends to be more personal i think right and and more uh, well, I guess applicable in a way and applicable to real life, to my my real life at least. Yeah, I, I find myself too tending to not like the, there there are some formula writing type of blogs and I have found, I tend to not like that kind of, if I want to read that kind of reading, I can get a magazine. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like there's there's different ways. There are people who write the same way online or who there's an adapted sort of writing online that... Maybe I'm taking this conversation a little different than you wanted to, but, um, you know, like where people are always putting lists into their blogs and always, I don't know. I like to see the slice of life. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a mommy blog, but I like to see that, that face of the person and not always, but that's kind of what I think you have the ability to see online in blogs specifically that you, and they can react quickly. Like the other day, um, Lisa Hendy wrote a post about the Pope's uh, World Communication Day right, right. message, which mm -hmm. is always one of my favorite. And um, she sort of sent an invitation to other people to write a post about their reactions to it. So, you know, I, I did. <laughs> and I, you know, you can do that because you're blogging and it's your space and you can decide what you publish when. Right. So right. I like that part of it as a blogger myself. And you know that they have this this other thing going on too. Uh, is I don't know what you would call it, whether it's like uh, mega blogs or meta blogs or whatever. But uh, I mean, I'm thinking of like you know CatholicMom.com and FaithandFamilyLive.com. You you write in both those places. You got stuff over at Faith uh, FaithandFamilyLive.com and CatholicMom.com. You've got uh, Catholic Exchange. You have these places that are. I, I I don't know how how to uh, there's like I'm portals? sure sort of like a portal yeah there there's got to be a word for it but it's you've got different bloggers who put content there and I know it at both those places uh cath uh, catholic mom and faith and family dot com faith and family live dot com I have seen uh, food writing in addition oh, to yeah. Yeah. you know which I thought was just so cool because this is sort of the 
well, it's it's real life. It's families. It's family life. It's, you, you've got to right. eat and you've got to cook. And so many bloggers I see who aren't really food bloggers are writing about food on these uh, on these sites. I think it's fantastic. Right. Well, it also gets it out to an audience I would be the audience um, of people who don't necessarily read food blogs. Like, nice idea, but um, yeah, I read your blog, Jeff. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. Not necessarily you. <laughs> because I'm going to try out any of the cool things you suggest. Oh, goodness. Oh, Sometimes well. I will. You know, Mardi Gras is coming up, and last oh, year from Mardi Gras, I, I got to see you. So, uh, yeah. you know, are you are y'all coming down at all? I mean, Hold on. <laughs> I lost my earphone. The baby's getting fussy, and I was trying to stand up, and I lost my earphone. No problem. Uh, no, we're not coming down from Mardi Gras this year. Oh, I can't talk you into it? Are, well, you know, if the expenses are covered by my contract with Catholic Foodie, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can work that out. That'd be great. You know, we've got some exciting things. Matter of fact, uh, you know, I'll have to tell you this offline. I can't tell you online right now. It's not official. Well, it's not public yet. Yeah. But there's some very exciting things coming up I again think this you, year. You sent me an, I think I heard about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could say it, but I can't say it now. But there's some exciting yeah, you things should happening. Tease it big. Yeah, I should probably tease this out a little bit, huh? So yeah. uh, I need to get. You know what I need to do? I need to start practicing my video skills. If I could, uh, you know, get good with a video camera, I think that'd be really great this year. Mardi I think Gras. you're right. You know, you could have started with your kids doing the swagger wagon thing at the homeschool co-op thing. Oh, that's right. I haven't said anything about I that yet that on this on episode. I saw that on Facebook, but... and all I could think was I'm glad I checked into Facebook because the image of little mini Jeffs doing swagger wagon <laughs> rapping, it, it made me laugh all evening. And well, then the thought of Char and you in the crowd. Oh, my God. Well, look, look, I'm going to tell you about this, okay? I have it, and it's really kind of awkward almost to talk about it because there are people here locally who listen to the show, who uh -oh. are part of the parish, and who may have even been there. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't mentioned that this episode. I'm glad you brought it up because uh, it was one of the funniest things this past week that's happened. And, uh, you know, we have our, our kids are homeschooled, and so we have a very large homeschool community here in our area. We've got probably 120 plus families that are part of this um, association, Roman Catholic Homeschool Association mm -hmm. of Louisiana. And we have every year like a science fair kind of thing, but it's not just science. It's, it's various. They could be, you know, the, the kids can come and do presentations. They could do different things. And so here we are. This is so funny. This is really, really funny. Um, talk about feeling out of place. Uh, <laughs> we haven't done this the last couple of years, but we had all these families got together at the parish. We had the you know parish hall, and uh, tables are set up. Some kids did uh, science projects. Some kids did other you know art projects, things like that. And you've got poster boards and all decorated all over the place. And some actually some of those kids really they cooked, which was awesome. They had you know recipes and they had uh, uh, food that they had laid out. It was really. Very neat, That's you know, awesome. des mostly desserts, mostly cookies and things like that. But still, I mean, it was great to see kids and in the kitchen. And your kids didn't you know? cook. They wrapped. They wrapped, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a Catholic homeschool association, right? And so you have all these families getting up. You have these kids getting up, and they're, like, singing. You have, like, you know, a chorus doing Ave Maria. You have, you know, one one student who is sharing her holy, holy card collection. <laughs> and, I mean, you've got... You know, all this holy stuff going on, and then you have the youngs get up there. 
and I, I almost wanted to crawl under the table. Except oh man, the I, fact I, that, can't, I, mean, I hope you got video. I did. I, I did. I, I was in. The, I am like. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I was in the back, and I videoed the whole thing. But it's my three kids up there doing the swagger swagger wagon rap. <laughs> From uh, the Toyota Sienna commercials. See, you now know? your challenge is to rewrite those lyrics. You should toss this out as a challenge to listeners. Rewrite those lyrics as something applicable to Catholic foodie, and then your kids can be like your, you know, commercial. <laughs> that would be so much fun. That would be so much fun. I'll have to do that. But, you know, we left that night, and I thought to, I told Char, I said, you know, I think this is the last time we're doing this. I mean, we, <laughs> we just don't, apparently, we just don't fit in. But I tell you what. We had everybody in stitches. Everybody was laughing. They thought it was hysterical. It was so much fun, you know. So I have to say that. I have to say that. We at least had everybody There's rolling. There's value to that. We had everybody rolling. So, and it's a clean wrap. I mean, this is a, you know, it's a Toyota commercial. It's family-oriented. It's it's fun. It's and fun, And everybody you know? there probably drives a van. I'm sure. They have to. Or All them kids. Yeah. All them kids, you know. And uh, can't, can't, can't ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Well, you can, but the kids can't, right? That's right. That's right. So it was fun. I do have the video. I haven't processed it yet, but once I once I get that moved over from the camera to the uh, the computer, I'll put that over. I'll put it on Facebook for sure. You know, uh, facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie, and I guess I can put it on the in the show notes here at CatholicFoodie.com. I think that'd be fun. I agree. Well, cool. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, on a very short notice, by the way, to uh, to be with us tonight. I really appreciate that. Well, thanks for having me on, Jeff. And keep uh, up the great work. Well, thank you. And you can uh, find more of Sarah Reinhardt at snoringscholar.com. And of course, she's got about 10 other addresses there online. Uh, you can find her over at what Catholic Exchange. We've got catholicmom.com. We've got faithandfamilylive.com. Anything else? I, those are the big ones. Catholic moments, too. I do. Uh, and I'm doing a new segment now with um, the American Chesterton Society on their Uncommon Sense podcast called A Merry Minute with Chesterton. Ooh, so, awesome. I love Chesterton. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm finding that I love him, too. He's really so. amazing. It's amazing. He's way before his time. I think he was yeah. way before his time. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a pretty he's smarter than I am by a lot. Oh so. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like an imbecile next to him. Of course, I'm a lot skinnier and smaller than he was too. So. No, <laughs> he's a big guy, man. Big guy. Yes, he was. But, but and that's not just literally, but uh, I think his mind and his heart was a lot bigger. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, thank you again so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. And uh, your Mary in the Kitchen segment is coming up shortly. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And And this this is Mary in the the Kitchen with Sarah (laughs) Reinhardt. Do you ever feel ugly? I've been struggling with this lately, both in my appearance and in my attitude. For me, there are two ways to approach this. I can wallow in the ugliness, letting myself be sucked up into the season of life I'm currently in. Why gussy myself up? Do my hair, wear decent clothes, heck, worry about a daily shower, when I'm going to be around people who won't notice or don't care. And if I yell at the kids, well, they were misbehaving. 
On the other hand, I can consider that my children are important enough to smell nice for, and that my husband notices even if he doesn't mention it, and that the other people I come into contact with might need whatever joy, wisdom, gentleness, or hilarity I bring with me. I've noticed when I battle the ugly feeling in my life, I feel the way I imagine knights and stories feel when they slay a dragon. Right now, ugly is my bitter foe, stalking me from the dusty corners, hiding under the couch to pounce on me, and waiting in my late project completion. A few weeks ago, I shared how I've come to see sunsets as love notes from God. When I look away from my kitchen window, where I catch the best view of the sunsets, I've noticed that my kitchen is chock full of love letters, all signed, Love, God. The shelf of cookbooks, full of dust and dog ears, a reminder that I don't have to think of things myself, the electric kettle on my counter, my link to hot coffee and tea at any moment during the day. The drainer full of clean dishes. Proof that my mother-in-law just popped in and couldn't resist the challenge. The changing station in the far corner. A bookmark in my life that will be gone all too soon. The cleared-off table, complete with limited edition and permanent artwork embellishments. Evidence of calm in the midst of busy life. My kitchen table is where I pray each morning. It's where we eat meals. It's where I do a lot of writing and laptoping lately. Sometimes I just sit down while I nurse the baby, which I'll admit to you right now is what I'm doing now, and that's who you hear in the background, and I read at my kitchen table. I feel my connection to Mary the strongest right now in my kitchen. So it is here that I turn to her for help in my battle against the beast of ugly. I hold her hand in the rosary, even if it makes me grit my teeth. She reminds me, as she leads me back to her son, that ugly is a perspective. She inspires me with the knowledge that feelings don't have to be reality. But mostly, she just sits there and listens and points the way to the most beautiful sacrifice of all, the one that appeared to be the worst kind of ugly. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was Sarah Reinhard with Mary in the Kitchen. You can find more of Sarah over at snoringscholar.com. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, we're coming to the end of the show, and as we do, I want to encourage you once again to visit my friends over at simplicitiesoflife.com, simplicitiesoflife.com, Kobe and Kessie Thomas, awesome family that are producing, they produce incredible uh, quality rosaries and religious uh, jewelry, Beautiful things. Matter of fact, last week we had, uh, you know, Char was on retreat last Sunday, last weekend, and uh, she was due to come back on Sunday afternoon. And uh, really, really, really cool. I was very excited about this. She got to meet Kobe and Kessie 
because the retreat was in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is not far at all from where Kobe and Kessie are residing with their children. And uh, they, they were able to meet, and it was really appropriate because, you know, this past week was my oldest daughter's birthday. She turned 10, and I can't believe that she's 10 years old now. Man, I feel old. Can't believe that. Goodness gracious, my hair's falling out. I'm bald. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, but I love her so much. She's wonderful. And uh, we wanted to get something special for her for her 10th birthday, and we, we ended up getting a piece of jewelry, a necklace for Annabelle. And uh, we got it from Simplicities of Life. And what was really cool is that Kobe and Kessie went out and met with Char. So she got to actually meet them. I, I was jealous jealous, you know. I mean, we've got mutual friends, Kobe and Kessie and I, we've got mutual friends, a good friend of ours, Roy Pettifis. Roy is, uh, man, we were in the seminary together way back when, back in the day, you know, and Roy is out in Lafayette, the Lafayette area now. Good friends with Kobe and Kessie, and uh, I haven't seen Roy in ages, but he's a big-time foodie, and I'm very excited. Hopefully one day soon we can get together and cook and eat and just have a lot of fun. Uh, But it's really neat to have mutual friends, but Char got to meet them. I was so bummed. Well, I was excited, but I was kind of bummed too. She got to meet them, and I was stuck here at home. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, good news, beautiful, beautiful. Matter of fact, I should probably take a picture of this piece and put it on CatholicFoodie.com for you to see it. Annabelle loved it. She absolutely loved it. It's a, a beautiful necklace. It's blue. Uh, you know, I'm terrible at, at describing things like this, I think, but uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a picture, and I'm putting it on CatholicFoodie.com. You can go check it out over there, okay? Uh, but if you need any kind of jewelry, religious jewelry, beautiful stuff that that um, that will last. I mean, this is solid, solid uh, material here, but also beautiful, uh, kind of an antique feel to it, just beautiful stuff. You need to go to simplicitiesoflife.com. Of course, rosaries there, unbelievable. Simplicitiesoflife.com. And as we uh, move into the end of the show here, I do want to remind you once again about the fact that uh, divineoffice.org will be streaming morning prayer and also the Thursday evening liturgy uh, from the Southwest Liturgical Conference. You're going to find that, by the way, uh, the conference itself. You can find it at uh, www.swlc.org, or easier than that, just go to divineoffice.org, and they will be streaming that every day. Very good. Cool stuff. Uh, also, SQPN, the giving campaign. I talked about Father Roderick earlier in the show, the fact that we did that show together, The the Secrets of Disney, which will be coming out soon. On the Princess and the Frog, you know, uh, SQPN is a powerhouse of Catholic media online. You got to go check it out, sqpn.com. Catholic Foodie, the Catholic Foodie is very honored to be an affiliate of SQPN. Uh, And SQPN needs your help, as they do every year. They are raising funds in their annual giving campaign because it actually costs money, believe it or not, to produce quality Catholic media. And, of course, podcasts are free, right? So where does the money come from? It comes from me and you. <laughs> That's where it comes from. It comes from me and you. I would ask that you please consider giving 
to SQPN during their giving campaign right now, you can do so by going to sqpn.com. There is a very poor, pathetic-looking little pig on sqpn.com that needs to be fed, and you can feed that pig with your donation. So please join me in going to sqpn.com and uh, contributing just a little bit so that we can continue to have excellent Catholic content online. Thank you very much for your donation. And until next time, bon appétit! SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.